people just like you have taken the brave step to do this thing we call work differently. They tell their self-unlimited story to inspire and encourage you. Another story begins now. Today, it's my great pleasure to be speaking with Kit Patel. Welcome, Kit. Hey, Helen. Thanks for inviting me on. Oh, my pleasure. I'm going to give a little bit more context for why this conversation in a moment. But I thought before we get into that, let's just set some context about you rather than this conversation for our listeners. So where in the world are you today and what occupies your day? I am sitting in the leafy suburbs of Surrey in the UK. It's lovely and gorgeous outside. It's a nice autumnal day. Got to take the dog out for a walk shortly. Yeah, what occupies my day? Sometimes dog walking. (laughs) I'm by trade, I guess, a business change consultant, but I'm also like a volunteer in change management. I kind of do some volunteering for an organisation called Change Management Institute. I'm an avid social media poster on LinkedIn, particularly around kind of the the situations business find themselves in and are struggling with when it comes to kind of putting change in practice. So I kind of like to, I'm an observer of change yes, and a commentator of change. Uh, whether people want to hear what I've got to say is another thing, but I, <laughs> I do like to comment on what's going on. Yeah. And I'm just, and you know, I've got two kids and a family and a dog and yeah, generally and I, a happy I, and guy I, in life. And I see over your shoulder some musical instruments. Yes. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, they mostly hang on the wall, to be honest with you. My daughter plays violin. My, so my eldest daughter plays violin. My youngest plays piano and I, I play guitar. We have yet to form the family band yet. Um, it it so could be a possibility because yeah, one yeah. of the reasons I invited you to this conversation is I think you have a very interesting workscape in that you have many things going on. And you mentioned that you're doing volunteer work alongside a day job. I've seen you do some entrepreneurial things in content creation, and some of that is on LinkedIn. And in fact, you and I collaborated on one of those projects a couple of years ago. You were doing some podcasting at one point, and all of these things are things that, aside your day job, that you're probably not getting paid for, and nobody's particularly directing you to do them, and you're serving people who aren't part of the organization where you work. So my first question to you is, Kate, is why? Why do all of these things? <laughs> Don't ask that. I might have to lie down and cry a little. <laughs> uh, why? Do you know when you when you asked, when you kind of phrased it to me? Yes. One of the things that really struck me was I just love the idea of building a group of people who can, a community, right, of, of people who want to share what they're going through and what they're doing. Yes. And I've often found myself that there isn't someone that wants to step forward and create that space. So, Mm. for example, like at university, I I changed my degree very early on. I went to do neuroscience, interestingly, Uh, chose that it just biology type stuff wasn't for me. And I ended up doing maths, which is a huge passion of mine. But I'd already been a year in, you know, everyone else was new. And I felt like, you know, what was missing my first year was just this like, community around the, the my my course mm. and I went well I'm just going to set up a math society there wasn't one right so I went me and two other friends that kind of knew each other on the course went well let's just do it let's just organize some drinks how difficult can it be yes and it, it's not difficult right like you just tell students by the way we're organizing some drinks and yes students turn up <laughs> yeah. right what was interesting is I probably did better than I probably ever thought I could in maths at that kind of level of study 
because I had so many people around me who were kind of knew me, wanted to help me, who we wanted to help each other. We just wanted to do well, but it wasn't just about doing well. It was about doing it like having fun. Mm. And that for me has been kind of central to every kind of community that you build. Like we're not doing it because we're trying to achieve this. We're doing it because we want to have fun trying to yep. achieve this. So yeah, that's why I give my time to all these things, I think, is because I'm having fun meeting new people. <laughs> so there might be people listening to this and thinking, but can't you build a community and have fun in your day job? I, I can, I can. But, you know, like I, there's a very narrow focus on mm. what my day job might be, right? Like it's the specific project I'm working on. And in fact, you know, like we do do that, right? Like we build change communities or change agent networks and things because of that very reason we want the change to be successful within mm. the context of the business but actually outside of that I'm like I'm not sure we've definitely fully defined what change management is for organizations and why sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't so that's an interesting community to build isn't it let's talk about that I feel like you know sometimes you go into environments where you're not um, 100% confident of yourself so you want an environment where it's safe to be like that and learn from others well mm. why don't we build a network of you know emerging practitioners because mm. it's a safe space for people to learn so yeah I kind of feel like I've got I've, I guess the other other part of this is like a curiosity just genuinely keenly interested in lots of different things mm. um, and I like to go wherever the, my brain says yeah. I should go <laughs> one of the things that strikes me about that is a quality that I'd almost call entrepreneurial in that when you're inside an organization, the organization's mission, calling, the management, they're directing what they see as the reason why things might exist or which things are valuable to create or almost like what are the boundaries of what curiosity would be useful in their context. And what I'm hearing from what you're saying is that you don't want those particular boundaries. You're okay when you're working there, but you've got other curiosities and other things you might like to try. And rather than sitting in an organization feeling frustrated that maybe they're not willing to try those things, you're going and making those things happen for yourself. I mean, that's such a great summary of how I ended up doing what I'm doing now, right? Um, if I may just kind of share the story as to kind of how oh, I went please into do. consulting. I'd spent sort of 10 years doing projects in one organization and I had quite a variety of roles, which was what kept me there for so long. But I hit a point in my career where I just didn't get anything more. And so I was sort of like, I was actually moaning to myself a lot. I was yeah. like, God, they should do more with me. I'm, you know, I'm much better than this. They should give me bigger projects. I should realize I should be getting more money, all these things. Yes. And I just one moment caught myself and listened to myself and went, oh god you've become that moany person that kind of you come across in a project who is frustrated by the fact that there are limits to what they're capable of doing and that's when I actually just stopped for a moment and looked outside of where I was working and went what else is going on and lo and behold there's tons of stuff going on and as soon as I realized that the life that life existed out of the four walls of my organization and that I had a choice as to how I spent my time all of a sudden life became really interesting again it's not that I didn't care about work. It's just the discretionary effort I put in was a choice of mine. And it was about what was I getting out of it as mm. opposed to kind of feeling like I had to put everything into work in order to get everything back out that I mm. wanted. It was like, I can put what I need to put into work to get what I want out. I can put what I need to get into something else to what I want to get out. And it was all 
all of a sudden it was like choices and knowing that other people were doing this as well was really kind of empowering so yeah your point about autonomy like my making choices was really important so yeah that's what that was the that was the change for me it was like there were limits I that I thought were placed around me and I realized they weren't and of course, I didn't prime you for this, but you've no, just given an, e- an excellent example of the value exchange and that we all have things that are valuable that we can put into things and that we might want to get out of them. However, working in a single organization may not be the opportunity for that. So there are, as you say, many other opportunities which where you could put that value in or get that value out, be it. Uh, coaching your kid's soccer team or volunteering yeah. for a group or doing a side hustle or something a little bit entrepreneurial. And sometimes, that, as you say, it's an opportunity to learn, but I also think there's an opportunity to stretch your wings in terms of like, I actually already know something and maybe the organization has no scope for me to stretch my wings or sharpen my tools or strengthen my practice in those things, but I could go find another opportunity. I don't have to leave a job. I don't have to go out and run my own business because Uh, That notion of autonomy, often people think, oh, that's my option. I'm either employed in an organization. If I don't get enough autonomy, I must have to go be self-employed. What's your thoughts on that? I I completely hear that, actually. I I think being in an organization for 10 years, it's easy to become fixated by your your outputs come from what you do in work. Like like that's it's easy to become focused on that one of the things that I noticed was just my own energy levels like I was really aware of the fact that I was being quite moany and that as soon as I started to kind of think about other things outside of work that changed and I went well okay well no one's no, no nothing's not got done here work still got done people are still happy with what I'm doing so okay so what's different well actually that thing I thought had to happen you know me being in work doing as much as I possibly can it doesn't need to be the way I thought it had had to be like, you know, the way I believed over 10 years of work. And I think that takes a bit of time to get used to because mm. it's sort of, again, it's a, an entrenched belief. And again, it's just how do you derive value from yourself? But a confidence thing was important. I felt confident enough after 10 years mm. of knowing what I was doing to try other stuff in this sort of safe space. Like I started with volunteering, which I think actually is, you know, some people might just leap straight to their own business, right? Like, and that to me was a would have been a big jump. I felt mm. I, what I was doing was more exploring safely, yes, without committing to too much. This area that I was really intrigued by, really interested in, but mm. I had such autonomy in that volunteering role. I could take it anywhere I wanted to, yes. And actually, people responded positively to it because there weren't many other people trying to be as curious or pushy or, mm. or take it in different directions and then there was opportunity almost immediately in that like mm. mel franklin who was then head of cmi in the uk yes set me a challenge i like a challenge yes. he said um we don't normally in london hold um we ha- hold a, a month a physical face-to-face event once a quarter and i said i see that and i said it looks just really tiring to organize because you do this all this effort up to a point and then you take a few weeks off and then you start again but that cycle is really tiring and she said you know what i'd really like i'd really like it if we did one a month one every month yes let's cut out december let's cut out august but we did one a month i said well that would be a lot easier because if we had a pipeline of speakers right and we just kind of had this rolling conveyor belt it would be much easier to do 
and before we knew it that year we had uh, we'd done our first year where we'd done nine i think it was mm. and it was all because she set a goal she said go and figure it out yep. i went okay i'll go and figure it out i love talking to people so that helped so i just yes. went and found people that interested me and then before we knew it we had a schedule and and again the amount of effort that each event took became less and less because it was more so it, it had yeah, a rhythm to it a rhythm yeah so yeah. it's like opportunity autonomy they all kind of needed to be there but it was almost safe for me to try yeah yeah and for those who are listening who aren't sure what the change management institute or cmi is that's a professional organization for people in the change management profession to gather yeah. and learn and grow together and there uh, it's a global organization with presences in many countries around the world yeah and exactly and i mean i talk a lot about change but I, you know coming back to your why give additional time to anything right is because well, for me personally is I, I do like that aspect of bringing people together mm. specifically so that's why I give my time the uh, I guess the other thing is feeling like you're making a difference sometimes you yeah. don't necessarily always feel like that in an organization right like it's difficult to know exactly how the work you're doing mm. can impact the wider kind of outcome when you're more closely driving that it's tangible you can see what impact you're having and i think that becomes certainly as i got older it felt mm. it felt much more important to me and i don't know if there is sort of a psychological thing that happens to you once you have kids <laughs> i'm sure there is well then uh, it's an interesting one because you mentioned there about time how much time you give because sometimes people would think oh my day job's fully occupying me i've got nothing else to give so i'm curious what were your thoughts really kind of practically and like well my day job i'm going to give it this much time these other things I'm going to carve out this much time and whether in carving out that time or making decisions that you had to negotiate with the loved ones around you about because some of them might yeah. think oh no that's our time that you know there's yeah. work time and there's home time there's nothing else yeah uh, one of the things a boss of mine said to me really early on in my career which has stuck with me as well is I don't really care about how much time you spend on something I care that it's done to a good level of quality so output right was was not the thing is the outcome did you get the outcome you wanted i don't care how long you spent and i thought that's a really sensible way of thinking about things right like mm. because yeah i could be in the office 40 hours and i could do the one bit of work or i could be there for 20 hours and i could still do the one bit of work and i could choose to do other things with that time that other 20 hours that were also beneficial to the business mm. now like, dangerously we could get into the area of this topic of quiet quitting but uh, yeah I'll, I'll i'll let you decide if we go there but sure. um but for me, this idea of quite quitting and discretionary effort, how you spend your time in work is about output. And again, that notion just kind of, I always thought like that. It was helpful that my, my then boss also thought like that. And we had, a when I first started out in, uh, in work, my month end was really busy. So like I'd have three and a half weeks of really, really sort of like relatively busy, but the last week and a half and the yes. weekend across it were always manic. And there was a real camaraderie about which I loved, but we all then just took a breather the few days after that, right? Because we're like, we've maxed out. We've just spent like four days straight in the office. Yes. Ridiculous. So it was that like, we do what needs to get done. We enjoy ourselves and we make sure everything gets done to a high level of quality. How long that takes is irrelevant, mm. right? Like it's about the output. Yeah. So for me, that was kind of like a, just something that stuck. And I, I kind of, Throughout my time after that, always thought about now, 
who is affected by the way I spend my time you, you you like mentioned my family I kind of like I break my week up into four areas of my life I look right. at my work I look at my personal interests I look at what I need to do at home and I look at my professional interests right that's how I divide my week yep so there are some hours when everyone else is asleep most people in my house go to bed at sort of half you know, 10 o'clock for yep. the latest so I think well I don't really like going to bed that early I've got an hour and a half where I could do something else so that's right. my time yep so there's times in the, the day that are more open to these things than others. And yes. it's about being conscious about where I'm choosing to uh, apply it. Mm. Sometimes it seeps over. Yes. Right? Uh, but but it's I'm aware and I'm making active decisions and I'm being considerate to the people that are impacted by yeah. it. So yeah. I, you, you can't do as much as you or I do maybe in addition to our jobs without mm. having impacts on others yeah. if we're not careful. So well, that kind What of I take from that and I would highlight is it's about active choices and being aware yeah absolutely yeah that that's exactly it right like just really cognizant of where i'm spending my time mm. and if it's directly impacting others yeah now i will say actually someone pulled me up on it the other day i'm juggling quite a few things as i'm sort of transitioning off of one and onto another big activity yes and my diary management has just gone to pieces because i'm not in it all the time mm. so one of the people i'm working with was like you know I, I don't know if you're going to turn up to a meeting on time or at all i'm like i'm so sorry it's just i'm not looking at it all the time so i'm not cognizant of it and i, I do get into this cycle sometimes i don't know if you do where you know you've taken on too much and things start to give you feedback that says, hold on, you have taken on too much because mm. that quality is slipping. And I noticed yeah. that the other day and I went, okay, I need to kind of reassert some, yeah. some structure back into this. I need to make sure I'm clear about where I'm meant to be and at what time if I'm not looking at that diary in advance. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that, was, that was a bit of a, you know, like mm. a, a balance check for me the other day. Well, you make the point there about being aware. And one of the strategies that I've always used for myself is how to make my awareness kind of more visible. And calendars, digital calendars, are a way to show how that temporal space is being used because we all get 24 hours in a day. Nobody gets any more or 168 in a week. So if I'm making a commitment to things, I try to estimate actually what that time is and I put it in the calendar, whether that's making an appointment for myself, because then when something else comes along, if it cannot fit in the calendar, it cannot fit in the calendar. And I have to be honest with myself and I can't sort of yeah. magically think, oh, well, I'll find time for that. I mean, there'll be times when I might think, oh, I'll play around with things and that I was planning on having Sunday as a complete rest day. I could use that as some of the time for this. However, I think sometimes people don't kind of think like the, that statement like peter pays paul i don't know if that's something that you have yeah, in the uk yeah, but yeah. this kind of notion that i'll borrow it from that and i'll get it back at some other point point. and one of my yeah, favorite yeah. quotes is a guy named ricardo Simler who wrote the book maverick and he says we've all learned to do email on sundays but not go to the movies on monday and i think there's a notion where people will grab the time for work things, but they won't give themselves back the time for other things. So I'm very conscious if I am going to take some of that time that I might have kept away for family or personal stuff to use for something work-like, I equally find some time where I'm going to pay myself back for that in the week. Yeah. Otherwise, you can accrue this kind of debt where you're always putting into things as if with no kind of boundaries. And I think 
this notion and I'm happy to go for the conversation about quiet quitting because I actually think that's got to do with two things. One is boundaries in that people have not necessarily had boundaries and so they've let the organization take, 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 take and now there's a feeling like I've had enough, no more and therefore I'm putting in a boundary and so it's a kind of reclaiming of some territory for self And part of that boundary is, well, what I'm prepared to put in for what I'm prepared to get out, which for me is around the notion of value exchange. And it's like, I've been putting in and putting in and putting in and putting in, and you've been getting emails on Sunday afternoon, and I haven't been getting movies on Monday afternoon. So I'm now drawing back some boundaries. And where people think it's a negative thing, I actually think it's a movement where individuals are starting to reclaim some agency for themselves and put in boundaries now the organization's probably going to have a very hard time because it's like what you used to do these things for me and so it's like a dance it's like suddenly employees have decided i'm sorry it's not cha-cha-cha anymore it's foxtrot but the other party keeps wanting to do the other dance move so i think there's an adjustment period but i think sometimes it's seen as a an attitude of you have checked out of work. And I think that's quite a negative, almost disempowering attitude where I think in some ways it's a almost a a version of resistance. However, resistance is not a bad form of agency. No. Why has the notion of quiet quitting resonated with you? I think it's because where I was thinking about this the other day, one, generally speaking, there's this kind of desire to reinvent the wheel, right? And I feel like quite quitting is essentially discretionary effort kind of relabeled, right? Mm, Why would you give additional time, your personal time above and beyond what you're asked to do? Why would you do that? Because you feel like there's something in it, that value exchange, right? I'm going to get something back from the organization. I'm going to value this. I'm going to get promoted. I'm going to get the pay rise, get recognized, whatever it is. And when it doesn't happen, you feel let down mm. and so you draw that time back but you've already set the expectation as you were saying mm. that i will do those things so it becomes a shock and it's not mm. an honest discussion right so it feels like and i've just remembered the, the thing that i kind of read the other day was we make out that it's the employee's fault like quiet quitting is all aimed at how do you get your employees to be better employees hold on no mm. How do you get your organization to recognize that if this is the problem, the problem is that you haven't recognized them in the past or you've misunderstood mm. what they were getting out of this? Yeah. And that's what resonated with me is that, again, another fad has appeared because they're making the employee the problem. And it's not that's what's in. Not only is it relabeled as something yeah. that was already talked about, but it's it's pointing the problem to be the employee and, and it's mm. not the employee. The employee is trying in most cases, to do their job to the best of their effort and go above and beyond to create something for themselves which they believe is available. One of the ideas about Self Unlimited is that you are the sovereign over your workscape. So I, Helen, yes, I may have a day job, I may have some things that I'm volunteering and maybe something I'm kind of doing on the side just for myself. That is all part of my workscape. And Helen is the sovereign of all I see, which means as the sovereign, I get to make choices around it. Now, that means there'll be different parties I might need to negotiate with an understanding of what my role is. But I think many organizations have kind of thought, 
you they talk about you know being part of the family or you're one of us or fitting in and, and whether it's imagery about being mechanistic or a family or something but there's all this kind of sense of like they somehow own you they have this proprietal responsibility over you to make choices and I'm gonna like no 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 I'm a human individual the world has granted me agency to drive a car and vote in a number of things that I'm allowed to do and I'm allowed to bring that agency to my job that might not have been how you thought we should work as employee employer in the past I mean some people might say well it's not slavery because you get paid but I kind of think well then maybe it's a bit more like a feudal servant but there's an element where it's like I'm not allowed to make choices or my choices aren't recognized and I sometimes say to people The organization is going to serve its own interests. So it is foolish for you to think that they're going to take care of you, with air quotes. However, you have your own interests and you're allowed to serve your own interests. So for me, quiet quitting, and when I see people doing things to this conversation, entrepreneurial-ish outside an organization, are all different forms of an individual saying, there's some things I would like to do in the world. And as the sovereign I'm making choices about those things. And yes, I can be an adult and negotiate around what my availability is. And maybe in some cases, it's negotiating that I need to make sure that people don't, I'm not misrepresenting the organization or my views are my own, et cetera, et cetera. What's your thoughts yeah. on that? No, I, I think you're absolutely right. And that phrase that kind of, I'm master of my own destiny. Like, I don't know if what it's like in Australia, but in the UK kind of, finding a job it's made out to be incredibly hard so you should be thankful when you get one right and then when you get one you feel like you should you know your first it's almost like whose debt do you owe first right right? like a mortgage on a house the mortgage company you owe them first yes your time is owed to the the company that employs you first and Mm. I kind of challenge that a little bit with the notion that as long as you get what you need out of me right in the time that we've agreed that you should have yes you've got it then then what i do with the rest of my time is my time yeah and it's a choice if i want to spend more yes and we should be on the same footing about why i would do that and but if you don't hold up your end of the bargain or i don't hold up my end we should have a frank conversation about it and that's the other thing we don't have those frank conversations well there's an interesting aspect where people don't even look at the contracts they sign so In Australia, there's something known as a fair work contract, and that's the notion of what the fair work agency of the government has determined is the minimum that's needed for a contractual relationship between an employee-employer. It basically covers two pages because anything else is covered just by law. I remember going for a job. I had a 26-page contract. Which, which point, you know, and it was a, an executive level job, but other employees in the organization who weren't at executive level got a similar contract with 26 pages, very written in legalese. And it had clauses in there about things that I challenge because for this whole kind of notion of I am looking out for myself and what I might do, but it had clauses in there saying about any IP that I created while I was working for them didn't have to be on the premises didn't have to be in work hours, was owned by them. And I'm like, no, 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 not at all. So I had to challenge some of the clauses that were in the contract. And then you often see things like, you'll be working for 40 hours or as needed. And I'm like, no, 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 we'll be taking that line out because that just gives you power to add on however many hours you want. I would like a conversation at a point if you believe it needs to go over the 40 hours or there might yeah. be your position description. These responsibilities tied to these skills 
or other duties as required. It's like, no, 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 no. Let's have Absolutely. a conversation up front because that gives organization a lot of power to kind of like throw in anything else they want. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, like a lot of these really heavy documents come about from their own past impacts, right? Like where this has yes. failed them, where they trusted and then been burnt. It's a bit like in a trauma that they fear they face. Yes. And it's a sad situation because you're right, like businesses are trying to essentially create an output, coordinate people to create that output and provide some service to someone. But it's it costs money to do that and they have to protect a level of risk. So there, there was this sort of like balance between yeah. it's gone too far the other way. Yes, yeah. I and agree. again, I think that, that happens as organizations get bigger, right? The yeah. more risk, people yeah. risk is the biggest risk for yeah. them, right? There's also reputational risk. I think sometimes there's a feeling like, well, you are a representative of us. And I think, yeah, but not 168 hours a week. There can be times yeah. when I might be showing up. And that's one of the things that I found when I've got many things going in my workscape. I've had to think, okay, I'm going to this event. Am I going as Helen from the workplace or am I going from Helen, the volunteer organization, or am I here doing something off the side? And so yeah. this kind of sense of who is my identity and where it gets really interesting is something like your LinkedIn profile. Now, LinkedIn yeah. wants you to have like a headline that's kind of like you're with a single organization. It's like, no, I've got three or four things going on here. Yeah, no, you're, you're spot on actually. And, and that has been something that has always perplexed me like am i cheating myself because i'm not being like the same person everywhere i go or am i just holding to kind of a company's values which are slightly different mm. perhaps from mine and that's that's true right like i'm i i try to be quite provocative when it comes to my linkedin stuff but then yes. i'm also representing a professional body yes who wants to be a you know like a professional outfit that looks at the positive and structurally mm. good, good ways to look at how change can be done but I'm one person and I have both sets of thoughts. So I think mm. they're both important and I can kind of have those views. But it, to the observer, it can easily get misconstrued. And it's yeah. happened a couple of times and I've had to kind of reassert sort of yeah. that, that thinking. But it's not easy to navigate mm. sometimes, I think, when there's quite a lot of overlap yeah. between the different areas. Even well, and, and of... sometimes it just needs a simple like, you know, whatever I'm <laughs> saying here, these views are mine and not representing an organization. So there's a simple kind of disclaimer yeah. statement you can do. The other aspect is I think like one organization I worked for, I remember uh, as I was starting up, they said, oh, we need to get your photograph taken because you'll need to update your LinkedIn profile. And I'm like, actually, I'm mm -hmm. fine with the photograph on my LinkedIn profile. But by the way, my LinkedIn profile is mine. It's not mm -hmm. yours as an organization because they were going to tell me what needed to be in the main profile part as well as the organizational entry. And I'm oh, like, wow. no, 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 no. And no other staff member had ever challenged them on this. And they were all the other staff members had a photograph that had the logo of the organization stamped on it, sitting in the profile and profile. I'm like, no, you can't, I can't do that because I'm actually representing other organizations on my LinkedIn profile. So we can, I mean, if you want the photograph, that's a nice one taken. I'm happy to maybe consider that, but no, you can't have your logo on it. And no, you can't say what's in the main part of my profile you can have a view on what I put in the section where it says that I'm working for you as an organization I mean stylistically I've gone for a very short statement um, and then I put it in a very friendly languagey thing so if you want something very jargonishy and long and corporate -y, it's gonna feel at odds with the rest of my profile but we can talk about that but I think it comes back to the point that you were making many of these things are a conversation Let's yeah. have a negotiation. You've got some things that serve you as an organization. I've got some things that serve me. Let's talk about them. And that's why Self Unlimited 
it's very much moving around from the idea of I don't have an employer. I have a client. I'm a service provider yeah. to a client. And people tend to see in that dynamic a more peer-to-peer like conversation. If we've both got things we want and we'll have a peer-to-peer conversation to see what works and whatever these contexts are. And I think that's the big shift, isn't it? It's the dynamic between the employee and employer is parent-child to some mm. extent, whereas what you're describing is more peer-to-peer. Mm. Like, I am a person, like yeah. you are a person, but you happen to represent an organisation. I'm a person that happens yeah. to represent an organisation, which is me, essentially. Yeah, exactly. So it's, I think it's difficult for, for businesses because it's not the norm. It's, mm. it, most people fall into the former where they kind yeah. of, I'm the parent yes employer you you're coming to me and i'm providing you something and while you're in my house you'll obey my rules and i decide how much pocket money you get and yeah yeah but i but i do think it's important for people to realize that that is something that worked before but doesn't work moving forward and we do have Mm. agency to change that and Mm. and there's nothing wrong in asking for that even if you're made to feel like it's uncomfortable yes which it will be it does Mm. feel uncomfortable to kind of push back because again it's kind of like you know what you've based your career on um, and the conversations have always been around that kind of dynamic it's a changing it takes time Mm. both for yourself but also kind of for organizations to sit and listen but it it, it won't change if you do not have those conversations as you've kind of pointed out right Are there some tips that you have when you think about the choices that you've made or the actions you've taken for people listening in terms of if they're like, okay, I might like to do these things where I broaden and spread my wings beyond an organization. Do you have some tips for people about what they might do or a starting place? For me, the first thing was like, just notice where your energy is sort of high and low. Like that for me was the first kind of like, am I really getting fulfillment out of everything I'm doing? And if not, notice where my energy is high and and seek more of that right now that was step one for me I think step two was just to kind of survey what opportunities there were to me to connect where what drew my energy and where I could actually apply it and that was to step outside of my organization and just look and start Mm. talking to people so those two things made a massive difference and over a while it kind of just I didn't quite find what was exactly driving my energy I just knew that as I talk to more people about this profession I was in and some of the interests I had I often would have more ideas percolating or more kind of output that I was really happy about so those two things for me were were kind of key and I think Mm. the third one we talked a lot about is just recognizing that you are you and you are entitled to have boundaries and so just being comfortable setting those boundaries if you have Mm. to reassert them as well especially kind of where we've come from and where people are coming from from the pandemic as well you know, be comfortable reasserting them not in a hey i'm taking my time back uh, but a, a a healthy dialogue with yeah. with your employer I, I will say like when i took that kind of decision to change the dynamic for myself i didn't have a dialogue i just knew in my head i was always going to provide what i needed to for my business whilst yeah. i found other things that energized me so I wouldn't say that it always requires you to have a conversation mm. with your business. Yeah, that's a but good I point. Think, mm. But I do think the bigger change you're going to make, the more of a you more you want people to be aligned to it, right? Yeah. And just recognize yeah. that you're doing it. I was making relatively small yeah. changes, so I felt comfortable doing it. So I think well, that, that was the third thing. Yeah, and I would add to that being mindful that the choices you make will have consequences. 
whether yeah. it's consequences on the organization or consequences on your loved one and so rather than just having a kind of naive view of if i do this it'll be all fine or i'm the only one that will be impacted that won't be the case so in terms of being aware and curious and exploring just be mindful of who might be those people for whom there is some impact and if yeah. you can as much as possible preempt that and open up the dialogue you know some people say oh it's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is for permission well if you're one of those people fine i, I personally am not i would much rather start the conversation and reduce the possibility for conflict and I think yeah. your point about trying some small things, I mean, for some people, they might think, oh, do I need to sign up to a volunteer thing to an organization that might need a bigger commitment? I would suggest there are small things that you can try. And it might be just as simple as, well, why don't I write an article um, yeah. on my LinkedIn profile just to share my thoughts on something? Or if yeah. there is an event going on in an organization, maybe I could just offer to be like an usher or something for that one night. And so find a small, you know, in the design space, they talk about MVP or a minimal viable product. What's a small thing you could do that might be time limited, that might be constrained? It might be even limiting in the sense that you don't have to put too many emotions into it. So just try something. And if it feels like it's going somewhere useful, expand it where it might or, you know, try something different. Because I think many people sit inside an organization and they've become accustomed to somebody will set the goals, somebody will set the parameters, and I will wait till they direct. I think part of the adjustment is, I get to direct, I get to choose. And it's like, that can be quite a threatening thing. Well, what would I choose? And I and my thoughts would be not, oh, I've got to make a five-year plan and have a big goal and a big commitment to starting my own business, or I'm going to do podcasting yeah. and I've got to do a podcast a month. Just do one of something and, and try it out. Yeah, you're, you're so right. Like the, that trying stuff out with and balancing the amount of time you want to commit to it is really important as an active decision. Because again, you don't overwhelm yourself, which is one thing that can easily be done, right? Yeah. Like you, you just pick off something that's too big and then all of a sudden you go, well, that didn't work. I'm not going to do it. I'm yeah. not going to do any more of this. So, so so it being tapered to kind of how much time you want to commit to it. And I think just one other thing you said, which I kind of, it, it made me think that a lot of people might think about this, like don't, you know, ask for forgiveness. Don't ask for forgiveness. Sorry. But um, for me, the one thing that kind of resonated with me is that like I always consider the other people because I care about the impact I'm going to have on them. Mm. Sometimes you use that phrase when actually you know that in work, I care about the outcome that I'm going to achieve and the person who might block me, I, I don't care so much about. And I, I use that flippantly, but yeah, that for me, it's the care. I care about how yeah. it's going to affect other people. And that's why I want to make sure I'm aligned to yeah. what other people are doing. So yeah, that kind of just struck me as you said it. Yeah. I'm like, why do I sometimes use that phrase and sometimes I don't. And that's exactly why, because I yeah. care, you know, like I care about the outcome. We could have that. a whole other conversation about that because yeah, yeah, it's yeah. been one on my mind lately too about that. Uh, what is the nature of the relationship? And I think maybe this is the last tip that I would give. And, and you've alluded to this for you. It was very much about driving community. And I think even for people who weren't had the intention of creating community, it's great for you to find a like people who are doing this kind of stuff and they may not be doing the same as you but that can be supportive so make your own little community of people who are trying things outside organizational boundaries absolutely yeah yeah Kat this has been great talking to you thanks so much oh no Helen thank you so much for having me on it's been a real pleasure I know we don't get to catch up very often but this has been energizing what else can I say brilliant thank you cheers Workscapes are changing everywhere. 
For more goodness to change your workscape, visit www.beselfunlimited.com 